0: You're getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world. And now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today. For SEN America, this is the SEN MLB Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome to SEN Baseball. But the season has just got underway. Of course, this is show number two now. Joining me in the studio back for his first time this year, Justin Charles, JC, welcome. Good morning. How are you? Fantastic. Off-season was better. good? Yes, Off- yes. S- yes. All good? Wonderful. Terrific. Also joining us, five-time Division I manager of the Essendon Baseball Club, five-time, believe that, Pete Giles. Thank you, Fredo. It's good to see you too, Justin. Yes. Good to be here, boys. Straight to the big leagues, of course, standings this week. What a start for uh, Baltimore Orioles, Washington, and the Chicago Cubs. Really hot to start the season. 7-0 and went Baltimore. The Cubs, uh, they were pretty good as well. And the teams that were not any good, of course, Minnesota Twins 0-9, Along with the Atlanta Braves, perennial team that could not lose uh, back in the back in the nineties, early two thousands, terrific team. Both those t- teams currently sitting winless as we sit here right now, zero and nine. Where does that set them up for the season? Both you guys played a lot of baseball. Firstly, we'll go to the losing side of the ledger. The two teams, Minnesota and the Braves, does that really put them behind the April? Can you can you sort of put a line through them right now?
1: Absolutely not. I mean it's. <laughs> Week one, rolling into week two of the uh, week two of the season. It doesn't really mean much, I, I think. Really, I mean, you can go. I mean, that's one good week. You know, you get on a roll, and uh, you know the twins could be right back in it. And and the same with Atlanta. They're a class organization. They've got a lot of money. You just don't know how
2: things are going to click. So it's very early in the season. I don't think you can read too much into it. Pete. Once you start 0-9, all of a sudden the wolves start hounding at the door. Press get on you, fans get on you, and just get into a rut. So I know it's early, but uh, 0-9 certainly not the way that you'd be wanting to start a season. So I say no, but I dare say that door's open for a little bit of discontent.
0: Can I, just as a question without notice, it's just sort of popped into my head. Let's just focus on Minnesota for a moment. 0-9 as it sits right now, of course, the Australian connection is James Beresford. Sitting at that AAA level, has hit around the 300 mark for about the last three or four seasons, waiting for that opportunity. Does an 0-9 start at the major league level open the door for a guy like James Beresford to maybe get a shot at the big league level? Look, I
1: followed spring training pretty closely, and they gave Jimmy every every possible chance you know they, they played him probably the last he started and, and and played parts of most of most of the spring training games they gave him every possible chance got a couple of knocks but didn't really hit better than 200 at the big league level and that's against other triple a guys and the occasional major league starter that they're you know bringing into the start of the season does it open the door i, I think they've got to start looking Perhaps it does open the door to to start blooding it and looking, but I think they've had a good look at Jimmy. He, he might have, um, may have missed the boat. I don't know. Missed the it's boat hard. on that one. Well, it's 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 hard. Well, did they trade away Brian Dozier and and, and bring him in and, and go low budget and get some you know reduce the payroll? Yeah, and bring
0: Jimmy be- in. will be-, be low budget. Yeah. Gu- guarantee you go for yeah. absolute minimum. Yep. Try and get that big league. Big great for
1: Aussie baseball, great for James Beresford, Beresford and all all that,
2: but um dunno. Don't know, I, how do you see it? Well, I think any manager worth his salt's not doing a knee jerk reaction now at 0 9. I, it's a long way to go. So I still say that um, you're probably going to put faith in a lot of your players. You know, it's, it's as you said, just it's one week away. You have yep. a good week, and that turns around really quickly. So, And they've got some good players, too. No doubt. No doubt. You know, it's, it's not ideal. You certainly want to see Aussies up there, but I don't think it's going to be hit the panic button just yet. Hmm.
0: Let's get on the positive side of things. JC, you were big on the Cubs last year. Of course, started the season beautifully. They're currently sitting atop that central uh, central division there, eight and two right now. Where do you see the Cubbies? Also, Washington currently sitting seven and one and Baltimore seven and two leading their divisions. But I know you are big on the Cubs last year. Big yep. fan
1: of Joe Madden. Yep, let's talk Cubbies first. Let's talk Cubbies first. Joe Madden last interview, uh, is talking about Right now, what they're going through the Cubs lineup is that they're all engaged. Every, you know, they had meetings through spring training about what they want to do, how they want to approach certain situations in games, and they're doing it. And really, he's saying that he's not really playing much part in the game right now as a manager. Yeah. That all the, but all the players are involved in every single pitch. They're engaged, and it's generated from within. So they're up, they're up and about, yeah, um, and they're playing for each other. Um, you know, they've got a crazy crowd at Wrigley Field that just love them. Yeah. And when they're performing, they're right all over them. And so they've got this nice momentum going at the moment. So really fun to watch.
2: It's funny. Every time you see video clips of these games, it's amazing. The sides that are successful have that real buzz about it. The crowds have a feel to it. The players have a feel. There just seems to be a real hype. ...around teams that play well. Now, I know it goes hand in hand, but it certainly starts from uh, from the dugout. And once you see a, a real morale boost in that crowd in the dugout,
0: it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, another one that uh, did happen during the week, Kyle Schwarber from the Cubs also hurt his knee. Um, possibly out for the year. Does that really... Uh, does that help... it obviously doesn't help, of course, but does it have a big effect, of course, on that morale, uh, camaraderie within a team and you see uh, an effect coming from the Cubs in that area? I think in a team that's not... Rolling like they are, and without a leader like Joe Madden,
1: and, and without the uh, the. Vet- I think you you got a man crush on Joe Madden. Yeah, I love him. I, I love him. He, he's very. He's <laughs> um, funky glasses? He's, he's very Gilesy esque. Well, there's something there. I'm
0: telling. <laughs> that's where I was. He's got the glasses. Look at the glasses. <laughs> Tell me that's not Joe. He's got a combi van outside. He's Joe Madden right here I, on the Schwarber thing. I, 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 he's a big
1: loss, and uh, Madden had earmarked him to do some catching as well as playing in the outfield. Um, he's a big loss. But in a team like that, I look at it, it's an opportunity for someone else, um, for for this particular team. And I I think, you know, at the moment, Joe can't do any wrong. The team can't do any wrong. And I think
0: while it's a big loss, um, I I think it's an opportunity for another player. Uh, Washington Nationals, another team, also started really hot. Bryce Harper, 100th home run in the Major Leagues this week. Which was a grand, slam, grand s- salami. Grand uh, salami. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the bat flips and that sort of stuff, which we touched on lightly last week. Harper's a fan of be- flamboyance and that sort of thing. Um, Strasburg's back and throwing well. The Nationals look to be heading in the right direction. It, yep. and, and, you know, the, uh, the team's constant. You know, Papelbond
1: couldn't get a save last year. Now he's won five out of five. You know, saved five out of five.
0: Are they all good in the, in the dugout now? Absolutely. That's what I'm, saying. That's what I'm saying.
1: And I'm, that's exactly what I'm saying. And so, you know, I'm a big one for managers and the effect on it. And Dusty Baker has come in. He's managed other big ego.
0: This is his first year teams. now. He yep, yep, took over Matt, Matt, Matt Williams. M- yep. Matt Williams. Yep.
1: Matt Williams. And we're, we're talking off air about, you know, certain managers when there's. Um, Dysfunction in the dugout, some turn a blind eye, others, yes. you know, look at the issue and deal with the issues. I think Dusty Baker's one of those. I think he's told the guys to pull their head in or been able to manage those egos. And now there seems to be harmony. You know, veterans that we didn't see much out of last year are now, you know, performing. Jason Wirth as one has had already a
0: couple of big knocks. Um, it just seems happy dugout. Yeah. And, uh, and they're getting some great results. Of course, Matt Williams, we just touched on, was manager of them. He had a lot of conflict back in the day with the Giants with Barry Bonds. They used to go at it in the dugout there. Was he accepting of that sort of behaviour last year? or And Dusty Baker's not accepting of it this year? That's what I'm saying. I, I, and I can only speculate, but that's
1: what I feel. You know, when Papple Bond got into Harper about, you know, not hustling, and then, you know, there was that physical altercation in the dugout and Matt Williams claimed he didn't even see what was happening. Yeah. He, he was down the other end of the dugout and he didn't even see it. Well, what are your assistants doing? You know, why aren't they reporting back to you? Bench so that coach. You can, yeah, yeah there's like all that. sorts you know, of guys. Th- th- there was disfun- clearly there was dysfunction because they had all world starting, Max Scherzer, Gio Gonzalez, you know, um, Zimmerman, all these guys, you know, and pitching well, yeah. but couldn't get over the line. Now, all of a sudden, same personnel almost Yep. same personnel almost, and then Dusty Baker comes in, and now there seems to be
0: harmony in their winning games um, one one in the middle of this is they 're not uh, winning they 're not losing Boston Red Sox currently sitting four and four there's a, a bit of discords happened during the week, and the, this is this is um, close to my heart it 's a weight issue <laughs> right now i don 't know if there 's weightism is, is a word and how it gets around, but um, I believe uh, the call pan- fat. It's called being fat. We're trying to steer away from the harsh words. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. I have been called fat. I, I actually have encouraged my daughter. You're my, cuddly. My, my daughter calls everybody chunky. <laughs> it's because Dad's been chunky all his all his life. Anyway, back on this Boston right big uh, problems. They went and recruited the Panda, Pablo Sandoval, to to be one of the cornerstone superstars of their team. Currently earning seventeen point six million dollars to play with that organization. That's a lot of donuts. A lot of donuts. You could buy your own Krispy Kreme franchise for that, couldn't you? Um, But, of course, Boston this week have turned around and said, um, you're not performing the way you like, uh, the way we like. You need to lose some weight. And I think Pablo was eating a bag of salt and vinegar chips at the time. He, He... he doesn't seem too concerned. He's more than happy to be cuddly and chunky and portly. And all, um, he broke his belt <laughs> on the swing. He broke his belt. How embarrassing to have to go back to the dugout
1: because you can't do your belt up and all. You- People are on you for being fat and you've broken your bat. You've got to walk 30 metres to the dugout and give the bat boy your belt and then go back and finish from your experience. At bat. You
0: you... From experience, <laughs> it's oh not very funny and it's very embarrassing. But
1: right, do you know what happened point, after that? Your... All of a sudden now, after that at-bat, now he's got this shoulder strain. Well,
2: right, Let me pose right. you this question. Yeah, if if your an employer who pays you $17.6 million says you must lose weight, do you as a player have the right to say no, weight's not the issue?
0: Uh, Personally, I think the ultimate answer rests with the club because you know what? They just put him to AAA. He gets fatter, he goes to AA. (laughs) He gets fatter, he's out. Uh, And that's the harsh reality of the whole thing. But there's a $17.6 million payroll there. and, And I think for Boston's success heading forward in this season, I think he's a really important linchpin in their in their season i think they kind of need him to be successful Absolutely. but there seems to be butting of oh heads my God. right now
1: like we've got a guy i mean he's a the 30 you know 25 to 30 home run guy 100 rbi guy big game performer and he's he's had the worst season he's ever had in the major leagues last year after signing the big contract and he's as you said uh fritter he
2: is a linchpin You've only got to look at the league. To me, it's based purely around stats. You've got Prince Fielder, another big man. His stats are good. You've got CC Sabathia, another big man. His stats are good. Yeah. When they're paying your money and your stats for, drop off, first thing to go is your weight. If your stats are good, really, I would, I would imagine they would say, you know what, do what you do because your stats can justify the weight.
0: There is a fine line. There have been chunky athletes who have, gone and lost weight done pilates and that sort of stuff and and their performance has suffered some people just like pumpkin cologne he performs well being a little solid he doesn't need to lose weight because he performs well and look
1: Plugger Lockett in the football we saw when plugger yeah. lost that weight but you got to have a look at these power athletes like when the The power athletes tend can tend to be a little fatter, and when they're explosive athletes like that, and they're performing no problem it's when it gets past a you know a certain threshold and it's affecting your performance you got you've got to lose it you know whilst maintaining your power that doesn't mean you go distance running you know you've got to cut down on the calories coming in you know cut down on the calories coming in and get to your ideal weight he's never going to be. You know, he's not going to have the the physique of a Madison Bumgarner or you know, you know, Paul Goldschmidt or any any of these sort of super good looking athletes. But he's got to get to that happy medium where he's he's going to be chunky, but right now he's fat. So let's not sugarcoat it. You know, and there, well, in- there
0: you go. I like it. Let's sh- yeah. let's. Sugar Pardon co- the pun. Let's no co- pun intended. <laughs> let's sugarcoat it. I'll eat it. No worries. Um cha- <laughs> so we- <are> panda. Don't <laughs> leave it round. Yeah. You just be standing there and he starts licking you. <laughs> what are you doing, mate? <laughs> um, another another interesting one. because you both you guys have managed teams here and there, the Dodgers this particular this week debuted uh, mm. a rookie came out. This is a good and, issue. And Pitch Ross Stripling came out uh, for his debut for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, this kid, again, on debut, 8.1 innings. Then he walked a guy. He was no hitting the opposition at the time. As managers, do you... Where do you sit with that? 8.1 innings of no-hit baseball on his debut, and he was around the 100 pitch mark. Wasn't overly extended and wasn't short. He was right in that awkward range. The 100's a bit of an awkward number to get to. Where do you guys sit? 8.1 of no-hit baseball, then he walked a guy. Do you hook him? Do you leave him out there, try and shut that game out? All right, so from, from my
2: point of view, at 8.1, or at, at the eighth inning,
0: you're coaching with a little bit of romance to
2: it. At 8.1, with nobody on, the romance stays alive. As soon as the runner gets on with the walk, the romance goes, and you go back to what's good for the team. And for me, that's uh, make the change. You, Justin, how would you approach it?
1: I'm with you, Farmer. Um, the situation for me, it's game four of 162 games. Um, yeah, sure. Division rivals—they're playing against the Giants. Guys pitching a hell of a game. Uh, great hey, job. I'll kid. just say he was that his, the Dodgers were winning two nothing at the time. Yeah, 2-0, Yep, absolutely. Kid was rolling. Yeah, um, over the hundred pitch mark early in the season. We're seeing even some of the you know seasoned veterans, guys with you know ten years experience only going 80 or 90 pitches in their first couple of starts. Yep. All right? So this is his first start in Major League Baseball. He hasn't played a season before. Yeah. So obviously he's played in the minors, but this is his first season of Major League Baseball. He's over 100 pitches. The romance is still alive when there's no one on. Yeah. It was clearly fatiguing. This this is my opinion. He's clearly fatiguing. Uh, You've got the all-world... Save champion. Oh, well, he's a very good closing pitcher in Kenley Jansen up your sleeve. Yep. Um, I'm saying you're yanking. You're pulling does, out. I've got it, no problem let, with
0: it. Just let me pose this to you because I believe at the time the umpire may have um, tightened on a couple of the pitches. So yep. the he was around the zone. He wasn't four – We walked him on four pitches and he was nowhere near it. He was close. The umpire just didn't give him no those. Str- do you still hook him at, at 8.1 and walking a guy?
2: at that time of the game, that time of the season, the pitch count is up, you've got a closer who is your number one closer, to me the romance now changes to I'm employed as a manager to win games. I'm not employed to romance players. For me, once the walk happens and you've got the closer waiting to go, that's a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, and and I, the keys here, if that game happens like you know, June, July, you know, the guys he's got like 13, 14, 15 starts under his belt. He's got arm conditioning. You are gonna let him go, yeah. I reckon. Until yeah. he gives up that first hit. To me, the hit's a big thing, as I say, because you can walk a guy. Uh, he and was the unpo- I saw I was watching the game. Right. I was watching the game. Clearly, to me, I felt he was off the edge. I, I thought it was a good move. I, I you know what? The fact the fact he was no hitting a team made no bearing on my view of as a as a manager watching the game. The fact that he was no hitting the team was not even an issue for me. I thought he made the right call. I thought it was a great call. It was a perfect call. You got Kenley Jansen, fifty saves a year.
0: Yep. You know, that's they, what those guys are paid the big bucks now. You you pay that's right. you pay guys in major leagues now for a setup guy and a closer. Sure. So you know you pay these guys big dollars. Let, let them go out and earn it. And and also too, you know, there's there's the factor of the kid
1: adrenaline. You know that that excitement of his first start you know he's yeah. going on a he's in the red man i'm telling you he's in the red yeah pitching in in triple a and in the minor leagues is a different intensity you know uh you can't get away with just cruising um it, I, the way I read it, he was fatigued, yeah, and it was indicative. I mean, yeah, he the, the umpire might have tightened up on him, but he was fatiguing, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, you take him out now because I reckon that that start could have flattened him for his next start in my opinion. Yeah, you right. Know, so uh, yeah, I, you reckon even getting, I reckon even into 100 pitches now this early in the season may have flattened him for the next start. So yeah.
0: I, I reckon it was a good call. Dodgers end up losing that game 3-2 to two anyway. But uh, look, we're going to go to a, a short break and the SEN America production team has been hard at work this week, able to get us Liam Hendricks. Stick with us. Straight after the break, we're going to be joined by Liam Hendricks from the Oakland Athletics. Celix Recoding Service specialized in electrostatic painting. Where our fully trained staff and state of the art equipment enables projects of any size to be coated either on site or in our well equipped Bayside facility. CELX Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available, and items can be colour matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Celex Recoating Service offers a professional powder coating service and has a wide range of colours available and items can be colour-matched to ensure integration with your existing decor. Celex Recoding Service also offers anti-graffiti coating, sandblasting, and metal fabrication of refrigerator components and parts. For more information, go to info at au or call 97888. Four thousand and Liam Hendricks, welcome to Sen Baseball, mate. Um, currently sitting four and six is uh, the Oakland Athletics. You've got the Royals later on today, I believe. How have you seen uh, the season thus far for yourself and for the club?
3: Uh, we've had our we've had our good moments, but it's it's uh, been a little frustrating at times. Um, there's been some heartbreakers in there, but at the same point in time, it's. Uh I mean, it's one of those things it's all about to turn around. We've got a good group of guys here. We've, we're staying positive, and, and good things can happen. It's a good clubhouse, and we're excited for uh, excited to get this thing rolling.
1: Hey, Liam. Justin Charles here. We've uh, been excitedly tracking your career, and it was uh, really exciting for us back here in Australia to see uh, how you were going with the Blue Jays. Um, what well, certainly I've noticed is uh, the increase in velocity. Um Sort of hovering up there around the 95, 96 miles an hour on the fastball. What do you attribute the increased velocity to? Is it been a mechanical thing or a physical uh, strength and conditioning thing, or?
3: I think it's been a little bit of everything. I mean, uh, I did, uh, I worked hard in the off season. I'd uh, change my diet a little bit. I'd make it a little bit healthier. But uh, <laughs> I did a lot of Pilates with my wife in uh, in Florida, so I think uh, Pilates just uh, strengthening up the core. And then I think it's just a little bit of a change to the bullpen. Just um, going out there and kind of letting it rip, rather than okay, I need to not exactly hold back, but I've got to be able to do this for six, seven innings. And now it's okay, I've got an inning, maybe two innings, and uh, kind of let it rip and, and see how it goes. Right.
2: Hey, how hey, Liam? It's Peter Giles here. Liam, was uh, the word coming back to Australia is the, the the dreaded DH rule coming in, coming out? Tell me, Liam, from a pitcher's point of view, do you have any same things? Ask that question.
3: Yeah, it's kind of hard to hear you, but I think you're talking about what, the DH and the NL. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, I, uh, yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's different. I think that's what's good about this league. It differentiates a little bit between the leagues. I think it makes it a little bit more of a friendly competition. I mean, uh, there's some guys in our team that are kind of, that like the DH, and there's some guys in our team that don't like the DH. I mean, a lot of the pitchers like to be able to face the pitcher. I mean, that <laughs> gives us a little bit better, but... Um, as a whole, I think it, I think it, I like the difference in the leagues. I think it it makes that uh, All-Star game a little more fun, and then it adds a little different uh, different look to the uh, to the World Series when you got American League versus the National League. But um, I mean, we have got some pitchers on this team. I'm, I guarantee you can hit pretty well. So I think there's some some pitchers that want to get out there and get it a couple of A-Bs during the season. So I think it's it's one of those topics that uh, some people like, some people don't like. I don't see it changing too soon, but uh, you never know the way things are going. I mean. It just <laughs> You just never know, but uh, I like the know like dh in the NL. It has a little different view, and for pitchers, especially relievers, you get into the games more often, there's a little bit more changes, and you get uh, more appearances, and you get just everything like that. So I mean, it is what it is. I think um, it's adds a little bit more payroll to some of those teams that don't have it yet. If they're going to pay a guy $20 million to go hit, and that's all. I mean, you take the bat out of that hand, and. You can't really pay justify paying a twenty million cent on the bench and come in for one game, one out batter game.
0: Uh, Liam, last year you went five and zero as a, a win loss record. Do you notice yourself, or do you notice the hitters actually? You approach each other differently. Do you approach hitters differently now? when you see them and conversely do you see them approaching you differently coming back to sort of the increased velocity that Justin mentioned earlier do you notice them approaching you differently
3: oh without a doubt I mean uh, when I was a starter, I didn't throw overly hard I wasn't about to overpower anybody so they could kind of sit back and wait for me to make a mistake and then jump on it now it's uh now I'm, it's more me going out there and pitching to my strength and then having to adjust to that so I think uh especially out of the pen. You go out there and you throw your strengths and like my my strength last year with my fastball, my slider. Um, it's just one of those things It's if you can get one of those pitches over then they start thinking about the other one and then you can kind of you can get a, a mind trick them a little bit into thinking one's coming and then when you've got a difference in velocity I mean when you throw 95, 96 up there it's uh, it's a split second decision between whether they want to take that fastball or, or swing at the slider or, or what it is but I think uh, anytime you increase in velocity it changes no matter if you're a starter or a lever it just adds that uh, kind of urgency to the at bat and you, they don't want to fall behind because they know that uh, the guy on the hill can get, a, get over them and then they can overpower them so I think it's uh, my my strengths are now a little bit more of attacking the hitter rather than trying to get them to swing at a pitch first pitch and then all of a sudden it's like 0-1 or one zero, and then I'm going to try and lay one in there so they can hit a foul ball or something like that now it's I'm trying to miss the bat as many times as I can and uh, if they swing and miss it's a good thing.
1: That's a good philosophy. Missed the bat. <laughs> um, last year, Liam, you pitched in some really big spots, and uh, probably, f- well, for me, watching as a spectator and as a supporter, when you struck out Big Pappy uh, at Fenway, were, did, are there any sort of situations that stick in your mind more than others?
3: Yeah, I think that's a big one. I mean, it was a tie game going, and I think it was the eighth inning, and it's, um, I mean, anytime you get it a close game in those high-leverage situations, they tend to stick with you. I mean, I remember the one with David Ortiz, and I remember the one with Alex Rodriguez where it was low bases.
1: Right, right.
3: Uh, two out, and I came in for the uh, tie game 2-2 and against the Yankees, and at that point it was a really tight race in the East, and that could have uh, that could have definitely been a swaying moment. I mean, it could have given them the momentum and they could have run off with it, or it uh, adversely, we got out of it, and I think we ended up winning that game, and we came back, and and we, we gained all the momentum and kind of just ran away with it then. So I think it was, that was probably the biggest moment of my career. And
1: then, and then there was that time where the, the starter comes out of the game early in the playoffs. And then you go four innings of shutout baseball and, you know, keep him in the game. That was a big one too.
3: Yeah. I think I kind of blacked out a little bit for that one. I don't remember <laughs> too much. <of> it.
1: <laughs> you are human. <laughs> I, I, came
3: in and I, I got lucky. I mean, I was able to catch the guy leaning off second base and then was, was, uh, had some really good defense. They made some good plays behind me and, um, yeah, we uh, unfortunately weren't able to pull that one out, but uh, hopefully we can turn this thing around here <laughs> soon and, and go for it, and then we'll trade again this year.
2: Tell me, Liam, just from our, for our listeners back here, just from a practical point of view, from, a, from your perspective now, when a player actually gets traded, just the, the everyday thing of finding accommodation and lifestyle, is that something that you have to do personally, or is it a manager takes care of that? Is there there a a set process for you guys now?
3: Um, You can get your agent to look into it. I mean, I had mine look into it, but ultimately it was uh, me and my wife's decision. I usually leave it up to her because she's the one who's (laughs) going to be spending more time there. Um, Yeah, if she likes it, I like it. It doesn't bother me. As long as I've got a a comfortable bed and a TV, I'm fine. But... um, yeah, it was a little, little different because spring training it was my first spring training in Arizona. That was that was different, was a little different climate, a little different weather and everything like that. And then, uh, obviously, this is my first time out in California playing, so trying to find places around the area that, you know, uh, have have good reputations where uh, some of the other guys are at so that, say, I'm, I take the car one day, then the wife can get to the field with one of the other wives or just things like that. So all the all goes into it. But at the end of the day, it's your decision to try and choose. They don't, try it. They don't set you up with anything, but... um, Obviously, you get your agent or manager to help you out a lot with that as well. Liam,
1: even in the big
0: leagues, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> way it rolls, yeah. Uh, Liam, uh, last week uh, uh, on the show, we were having a discussion regards to the Jose Batista bat flip from last season. Now, you you should have first-hand experience. You were in the dugout. There is a section of uh, fans commentators who don't like that sort of uh, flamboyance I'll say coming into the game where do you sit having had first-hand experience being in the dugout and seeing the emotion that went into that right there and then where do you sit with the Goose Gossage got called into Yankees office for commenting about Bryce Harper and blah blah but being there and first-hand seeing it in that moment where, where do you sit with that whole the, the flamboyance of the the emotion of the game
3: I mean, there was some uh, extenuating circumstances that had happened. I mean, obviously that was one of the most intense and emotional innings I've ever been a part of. Um, obviously, his deciding game of a playoff series. Uh, we had a freak call that um, obviously he made the right call in the end, but uh, obviously we didn't realize that at the time. We thought it was, it was just uh, a little different, but uh, that is probably the biggest home run he he's ever hit in his career, and it was one of those things. It wasn't even the worst worsted a lot during the year. I mean, I saw a lot worse against us for us. I mean, uh, I think it was just it was on the big stage. Everybody kind of took notice of it. And I mean, to be honest, I don't think he meant it to be bad. I mean, he didn't sit there and hit it, do that, watch it walk, take his time around. No, no, he sprinted around the bases. So I don't think he meant any like anything anything wrong by it. And not think he tried to like alienate the other team or anything like that. It just. um he kind of came out, and he didn't, like, gloat on him. He just didn't. It wasn't like he was walking around the bases, pointing at everybody and everything like that. He sprinted around the bases afterwards. So you know that he, uh, he might have thought it might have been a little extreme, but he tried to make up for it with his trot around the bases.
1: And I think if you look at that incident in isolation, it looks bad, but if you take the high, like exactly like what you just said, you know, the catcher's just thrown a ball into the bat of the hitter just standing in the box and, you know, we've got this high intense situation and then all this lead up and then you see it. I think it's certainly in context. Liam, tell us about the atmosphere of the Rogers Centre. Uh, through that through that period there, the fans seemed something else. That
3: was an extremely, extremely loud stadium. I mean, they closed the roof, so everything just kind of contained in. There wasn't any sound escaping. So it was, I mean, there were times when it felt like the stadium was about to fall down. I mean, it was so <laughs> loud. It was so boisterous. I mean, uh, our bullpen is right underneath the left-field stands. So when anything would happen in left field, they'd start slamming their feet down or anything like that. We'd hear the entire rattle of the stadium, uh, like, above us. Wow. So it was one of those things, it was just, it was an awesome atmosphere. I mean, it was so loud, it was just, it was amazing. I mean, it really rallied us, and it got us pretty much over the edge, and they got us an extra series. Yeah, wow.
2: And tell me, Liam, on on a daily basis, do you, do you find that um, you prefer night games, day games, do you have a preference on all when you throw for you?
3: I mean, I'm... Not really. I mean, we've got so many of of both. I prefer the night game just because it uh, gives me a chance to get into more of it. We've got more night games, so it gets me in more of my rhythm. Like, I can wake up, I go get a coffee, go eat some breakfast, and then hang out with the wife for a couple of hours before I head to the field. Um, day games is kind of you wake up and get a coffee, and then you head to the field, then you go and do your thing. And I just one sort of those things. if you manage your time well, it shouldn't really matter at all. Um, some people kind of get a little rushed on day games, but... Uh, Oakland does it pretty good over here. I mean, we're not trying to bombard guys with too much extra work and everything like that on day games. You just go out there and you do your business, you get ready for the game, and you do what you need to do.
0: Uh, Liam, you've been to a couple of different organisations now. I'm just wondering are the cultural differences within clubhouses? Of course, you started Twins, you're at Blue Jays now with Oakland. Is it, is it, is it noticeable sort of cultural differences the way big league organisations go about their business?
3: Uh, each club has a different like uh, pros and cons. I mean, uh, coming out with the twins it was kind of they were getting through the dog days of the three the few couple of bad years they were having and it was it was tough. I mean it was um I mean, no one likes losing so as soon as you lose you kinda of start turning on each other a little bit and it's just it got a little bit out of hand. But um the Royals, the Blue Jays, Oakland, even the Twins the next year it was uh it was it was a fun club So like uh each team has a good group of guys that you try and stick around, they're a positive group that uh tend to try and kind of boost that morale a little bit. I mean, Oakland's no different. Oakland has a great clubhouse, got a good group of guys. we have got a younger group of guys, which is nice. But then we've got a couple of veterans out in the pen. We've got a couple of veterans here and there. So it um, it adds that little bit of kind of just leadership role that I think a lot of the young guys, when they first get up, they just need to just to learn, teach them how to go about doing certain things and making sure they're not overdoing it or underdoing it or saying the wrong thing to the media or anything like that. It's just one of those things that's uh, – Give you have that leadership group, it's, it, it makes the world a difference.
1: Liam, can the Oakland Athletics contend this year or do enough before Billy Bean starts trading everybody away?
3: I believe so. I mean, we've got the talent in the room. Um, as soon as the offense clicks, I think it'll be one of those things. I mean, we've got we – can't, we can't figure anything out right now. It's like when the pitches work, the offense doesn't work. When the offense works, the pitches kind of struggle a little bit. As soon as that all clicks, I think we're going to be fine. We've got enough talent in this room to uh, – to go a long way this year, and hopefully we can we can get it clicking. And as soon as the, as soon as we start rolling, we'll be fine. I think it's just uh, once we get over, once we get moving along a little bit, get on a little win streak. I think um, I think anything can happen, and that's the thing of this team. We're not uh, we're not like oh we've we're struggling a little bit now. Okay, we're we're out of it. No, no, no. It's it's it doesn't matter. We're gonna we're gonna win. We're gonna do what we need to win, and that's it's gonna end up. We're looking to look back at this end of the season. We're like yeah, first week was tough, but since then it's been fun.
2: And, Liam, can the Australian public get to see you and your wife in any time in the, the distant future?
3: Yeah, we, tr- we uh, usually get back every year. I mean, uh, generally a lot of us just been trying to spend time with family and do everything like that because I don't get to see them too much. But, um, yeah, we're going to try and get back depending on how this season goes. It'll depend on where we go, when, uh, when we come back. But hopefully I'll be there during the, uh, during the ABL season. We'll head down to a couple of heat games.
0: Uh, last one uh, here, Liam, thanks for your time today. Uh, the World Baseball Classic, I'm sure you m- would have followed back here in Australia because Australia won the Sydney Qualifying Series and will be representing at the uh, World Baseball Classic in March of next year. Is it on the radar for you? Could we see you in Australian uniform next year?
3: Uh, hopefully. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's, um, I need to make sure I get clearance for these guys, and I think it all depends on how late we go, how we do, everything like that. But uh, if, if it's up to me, then, yeah, I'll be there. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's not all my decision. I've got to talk to the GM, and I've got to talk to all, everybody here about like whether it's the best thing for my career and everything like that. But uh, if, it ha- if it was up to my decision, I'd be there. And so hopefully we can have a good year. I can turn around a little bit from my early struggles and, uh, and move forward, and then I'll be there for sure.
0: Uh, Liam, really appreciate your time today. Thanks very much for coming on SEN Baseball. Uh, good luck for the rest of the season. And uh, once again, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Awesome stuff. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it.
0: And great to catch up with Liam Hendricks from the Oakland Athletics. The, as I mentioned, the SEN America production team. Terrific job getting hold of Liam for us there, and uh, just coming up after the break, we during the week we uh, pre-recorded. Travis Blackley he has been out on Twitter. That we had Travis this week. Uh, great news for Travis. It won't be in the actual interview, but he has signed to pitch in Mexico. Uh, Going to be p- playing with the Pericos de Puebla. Jolsey, what do you reckon? Pretty, pretty keen to go with those blokes, the Pueblas? Well, they're a household name in Peblar. so uh, <laughs> yes. uh, most kids have the, the
2: jersey of the Peblers with Travis on the back, <laughs> yeah. I don't dare say. We, we, we did in That's the,
0: great in, pronunciation. Yeah, in the in the uh, actual interview that we, we spoke with Travis, and we, we tried to get out of him because these guys always have offers on the table, and he... Off here, he wouldn't tell us on air, but off here, he did explain that there there were a few offers on the table. But just this week, it was announced that uh, Travis was going to head down to Mexico to play. And here's what he had to say in uh, in the interview that we got during the week with Travis Blackley. And Travis Blackley, welcome to the show, mate. Um, I'll just backtrack a little bit before we get to where you are now. But uh, the move up to the Brisbane Bandits, I'm sure it would have... Uh, seen as a a good move because you ended up winning the championship. As far as your career's at, was it a good move for you to move up to Brisbane and pitch for that team? Well,
4: I mean, it 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 seemed like a good idea at the time. I mean, uh, I I feel like it was the right move. Um, You know, I was able to pitch in a few more games and be be able to pitch on uh, the ESPN network. So, uh, you know, at the end of the year in the finals, so, you know, all of that, uh, I think, would have helped. Uh, if I had stayed and played with the Aces, I would have been able to play in uh, three series, and then uh, and then that was it. But I was also uh, using that for getting ready for the WBC. Um, you know, I just didn't want to have, like, a two- or three-week layoff where uh, I wasn't going to be facing, you know, that caliber of hitting. So I just wanted to stay as, uh, as fresh as I could, as long as I could. And, um, you know... It just worked out, and I had a great time up there with, our, with the Boosman boys. Um, I was already friends with a lot of them, but, uh, yeah, there was a really good group of those up there.
2: Tell me, Travis, it's Peter here. Tell me, were you going up yep. there as a starter, or were you going up there as a as a reliever, or to be decided once you were there?
4: Um, well, when we uh, first decided to go, I was going to build up to start, try and, try and get a start on the last week. Um, in the last week of the season and be ready to start in the in the finals. Um, it turned out my arm actually came back a lot quicker than I thought. You know, I, I my first outing was out of the pen and then we flew again three days later as a start. But you know, on a pitch count so that we could uh, you know get ready at the, the divide signing and stuff like that and um, not have the stress of having to get ready quick in the bullpen. So uh, you know that happened and then. Coming down to Melbourne, I uh, made a start down there. I mean, I wasn't planning to when I first went up there, um, but the yarn not really and And, um, you know, figured why not give it a And that way I can at least warm up, the way I like to warm up and make sure I'm ready to, when I hit into the game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it just it felt great. So I just kept uh, stayed with it and kept uh, chopping starts.
2: Or you actually, your performances were outstanding. Now, tell me, Trev, you've had many coaches and managers over your time in baseball. How did you find David Nilson as a manager? Oh, well,
4: he was great, man. He was uh, he let the he let the boys fly. You know, he uh, he sat back and he and made made moves when he needed to. I think it helps, you know, being a player himself. And he's probably been under a lot of different manager styles in, in the past. And I think that. You know, he uh, adopted one that he preferred to play under, and and I, it happens to be the same one. I think a lot of guys like to play under. I mean, he he uh, doesn't take the bat out of the guy's hands. He uh, he made the right moves at the right times, like taking the pitches out and making changes at the right times. I think I think uh, he'd he be great as a manager. Um, I mean, obviously he did really well. I mean, he had a pretty good, uh, pretty lot of guys to uh, to use, but. Um, no, I mean, uh, I had a, I was a pleasure playing for them.
0: Trev, for winning that championship, do do here in Australia, do we hand out championship rings similar to what they do in the US? What did do I, what did Brisbane uh, end up awarding the players?
4: I believe it's a ring. Um, I've been, um, I, I think it is actually uh, a, a ring. That, um, I'm sure that Mark Reedy will. Uh, Will uh, make it look pretty nice. He, uh, he's been there for a long time. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. It, whether it's a ring or not, I, I wouldn't care. It was just fun to be able to put in that and a been at this time. I had a, we had a tough one a few years ago against Perth that as a man at Melbourne, it was really tough to swallow, and it was good to be on the other side of one for a change. <laughs>
2: And tell me, Travels. I'm always curious about how imports uh, view a, a premiership. So obviously with the local players, it's the elation of many years of, of playing for a franchise. How did you find winning it with Brisbane with the imported players this year? Were they just as excited as, as the local players you, you found?
4: Oh yeah, I mean they had uh, mainly the Tampa Bay Rays guys um, were out there, and they actually all had played together during the season, that season trial, and they won the championship there. So they were all off winning their own one, and I think they liked how that felt. And uh, you know they were, uh, they were just as into it as, uh, as everyone. Um, I think though it meant a lot to the the homegrown guys that have been there for the years of you know ever since the A belt started. and you know, they've had some pretty tough years for the first four or five years, and um, I think yeah they, uh, they I think guys like uh, David Sutherland and Battaglia and, and Tristan Crawford and those guys were very uh, very happy in Bobby Lassner. So they were very happy to uh, to win that. And uh, I think that with about three weeks to go in the season, they felt like that was. I think they might have thought that earlier when I showed up to the team three weeks to go in the season. They already had this sense of they're going to be there. It's just a matter of you know how they're going to play when they get to the to the big one. And I think that coming up against a team like Adelaide who had been bridesmaid the year before, they, they knew what to expect and our guys weren't quite sure what it was going to be like and I think they did great putting the uh putting the pressure behind them and just playing you know someone they done all year about stepped up, the pitching stepped up. It was just a a solid series, uh for the Brisbane boys. But um you know, I think the weather kind of hampered the hampered the mood a little bit. Um, you know, it would have been nice to have a nice dry series but um I (laughs) mean
0: we'll taste it Absolutely mate We'll move up to the uh, World Baseball Classic qualifiers It's the first time these qualifiers have been played As part of the World Baseball Classic How did you see that tournament run up there in Sydney? Of course Australia came away and won one of the final spots For the World Baseball Classic to be played in March next year But how did you see that tournament play out?
4: Oh, you know, I mean, it, it kind of went how we thought it was going to be. I actually was, wasn't was sure. I thought New Zealand might be a little stronger. just They had a couple of guys we knew, and um, I just think they didn't have the pitching depth to quite get them past uh, South Africa. But they definitely had some bats and Naro and Audi and, and uh, guys like that. But, yeah, I mean, um, coming up against South Africa, they, I think they play outplayed what we expected them to do. You know, they uh, – they kind of had. Uh, I didn't feel like they had as uh, as strong a team as they played. Like, but uh, no. I mean, I think the boys got it done. That's all. We we knew we were the favourites to win it. We knew the pressure was on us to win it. Um, we were happy to be at home and playing in front of our own crowd. And I think that uh, you know it was just a re- more of a relief to get that game uh, at the end taken care of. You know, because you know in baseball anything can happen, and in that style of play, in that style of play, you when know, it you know, you lose one year and you're on the brink of elimination. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of tough. But now the boys stepped up. I mean, they faced some decent pitching and then they faced some pretty average pitching, which actually held in the day. I think it was a bit under the hitting speed, um, and they were just thumbing us to death in sliders and, and not really pitching at us. But uh, you know, and then um, on the other side of the ball, you know, we competed through strikes. Um, you know, but the team, you know, do the field, do the fielding behind us and came out on top just outlasted them i think
2: and, and travis did you find the crowds were pretty good for the the wbc um qualifiers up in sydney
4: oh yeah you know i wasn't sure what to expect. you know I a couple of times uh you know in other tournaments or with the with the you know against the blue socks and every now and again i think like weekends they got decent but you know it was kind of wasn't was up in the air we weren't sure what uh what the crowd was going to be like and um you know. Which turned out to be pretty pretty awesome to play in front of uh i mean the first night was really uh, it was quite uh, quiet but then the second game you got a lot louder and the final was a bit louder too so it was fun playing in front of all the Australian fans and no i'd uh i'd love to be a part of something like that again That was a good fun
0: trev we'll move up to where you're at right now you have been a part of i think it's eight eight or nine major league organizations what number were we at Uh, (laughs) yeah no that's a good thing mate don't um but just wondering where you're at right now i mean i know work's always tough to come by but a left-hander who can get hitters out surely uh surely somebody should be looking for you
4: yeah you know i i felt like i did enough uh in pitching in the avl and in the wbc to prove i was healthy and my arm strength was there and uh you know i had a lot of a lot of scouts in, in Australia there that seemed pretty interested in, in trying to make a move to get me over, and, and nothing panned out. I went, uh, came back to America hoping something would happen and uh, ended up actually traveling to Arizona and setting up in a, in a hotel room and trying to get tryouts at teams, and I couldn't get anything. I had one one tryout at the very end of spring training where I got to have a bullpen in front of a couple of scouts, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it, either teams aren't interested or they like me and they don't have room. So it's it's been frustrating. I'm just sitting in California right now, working out and playing catch every day. And, um, yeah, hoping something will come up soon. But, um, you know, there could be a possibility I go to Mexico and play or uh, even Taiwan, I guess. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm hoping for a, a, a club. I mean, there's been plenty of injuries around and I'm still throwing the ball pretty good. So um, just on w- a waiting game. So it's tougher when
0: you're thirty three years old. <laughs> Mate, I'm interested in, in the in the process with the uh, what your agent is involved in this. Do you do you kinda uh, are you on the phone daily to your agent trying to chase work? How does do you actively chase work yourself or is it all on the agent? How does that process work? Uh,
4: it's been a bit of both. Normally it's just the agent what they hear you know, you've been calling around everything, seeing if they need it uh any pitching. Um, some teams do, some teams don't, sometimes teams are looking at other guys. Um, yeah, I mean I have even been doing it myself you know, calling people I know to try and get tryouts and get signed that this is uh this happened last year. You I ended up uh getting released by the Giants in team training and sat going back to California for a month and uh and worked that out here and then the Marlins picked me up, so it's a bit of a waiting game. It just uh sucks we so don't get paid while we're waiting, so it's uh can be a stressful, that's for sure.
2: Tell me, Trev, when you were in Arizona did you catch up with Josh Spence over there as well?
4: Oh, no, I didn't actually. I was, uh he was on the other side of town, I think, out in Georgia. Um I was out in Stockdale in Mesa area, so uh, i did, I did catch up with Pete Moran and uh and also T.J. Bennett, who played on the original uh, band for a big American guy that's living in Lexus, and I've worked out with him a few times. But, no, I'm, I'm pretty quiet, you know, trying, trying not to spend money if I'm not making any, so I'm just, just working out and at the field and on the gym and just trying to keep the uh, the pay, uh, what I'm having to pay for down. So, um, so I can, you know, get a, a house and a, and a life to think about. <laughs>
2: Well the reason, Trav, I was just asking about Josh Spence is he was in the position obviously where you were very similar to where he pretty much is shut down playing and looking at a coaching role now. Is is that something that interests you or is it still too early in your playing career to look at that avenue? Yeah, you know what? I, I thought about
4: it, being a coach. Um, I just feel like I still have on in the tank, you know, I, I I feel like if I can't bring 90 miles an hour, I'll give it up. Now, if I'm sitting there at 185, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll call it a quiz. you know, I'm still hitting 92, 93 miles an hour. I'm left handed at those strikes. So but all my pitches, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I still feel like I've got, I'm as good as I've been. And uh, it's just frustrating. So you can't get a crack on uh, And I'm feeling as good as I am. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure one day it'll, the time will come to, uh, to show down. But, um, not
0: just yet, I think. You just mentioned Pete Moylan and TJ Bennett. Pete's, of course, with the Kansas City Royals at the AAA level, was uh, released and then re-signed in the same week. TJ Bennett, he was part of that Brisbane Bandits. He got picked up as well by Affiliated Ball, didn't he, Trav? Yeah, yeah, he had a try out of the San Francisco Giants. Um, and
4: they kept him there for a couple of days and then offered him a contract. And I,
0: mean, I knew what
4: happened. I was baffled with the never being science before he was an amazing place. Probably one of the most well rounded players. Um play to hold had a lot
0: of power. Um and the club nine
4: had not and half the back of anyone else. I think was,
0: you know he, 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 uh, um, you just, just breaking up a little bit there, Trev, get yeah. you to move to the left, mate.
4: Uh sorry mate, is that better?
0: Yeah, much better, much better.
4: No, I mean, um, you know, we had a, a top prospect from the Rays in, in Williams that hit a lot of home runs, and, uh, you know, he had probably 650, 270 at-bats, and then he had TJ Bennett, who unsigned, and he dropped nine home runs in about 125 at-bats. So just because the show, is, is actually a lot better than I think. he'd be incredible. And he hit it about a you know, 310 clip, so, you know, I was positive he just got a, an in with a club he was going to get signed and uh, sure enough that happened but uh he's obviously in the standards for right now but i think uh, if anything happens above him he'll be one of the first to get out of there
0: so you mentioned uh, you, for him. you mentioned justin williams is he legit is is he the sort of guy that you'll see in the big leagues sooner rather than later i think so
4: uh, i think so i mean i think i think the time he's still young and has a lot of baseball to learn. I mean, he's got raw talent, got serious power, and you know has a great arm to run the outfield well. But, you know, I think there's still the the game would move a little quick up there. I think, and and uh, you know, there's just that baseball smarts that you need to learn over time that, that I think he would be a little out of his element if he was pushed up too quick. But just, as I say, he's a young lad. he will uh, he will probably be up there in the next four or five years. I would say probably around three or four. You know, barring any injuries, and if he keeps progressing, he has been. You can see him up there because his power is major league power, no doubt. He had some absolute monster home runs to the Bandits. I don't doubt it. But yeah, he's still got some some baseball to learn. <laughs> T-
2: tell me, Trav, if the passion's still there for you towards September, October, do you think the Australian crowds will see you once more again with the ABL?
4: Uh, I'm not sure this year. This year I got uh, I got to make money. Man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably going to take my abs over to, to Mexico again, and not just that. I mean, I have uh, I have to do uh, Christmas in the US this year. You know, I promised wife that we do that in 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 America, as she's done two in a row in Australia. So, um, but the year after that, I mean, anything can happen. Um, you never know. I mean, I, I'd like to come back and play. Um, you know, I can't see. Uh,
0: Good on you, Trav. Look, really appreciate you coming on the show today, uh, and good luck with uh, your endeavours trying to get a job, mate. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much. And great to catch up with Travis here. Of course, uh, we did pre-record that chat, but he has signed in Mexico, so he has progressed with his career. He did intimate during the chat that wasn't sure. There was a couple offers Asia-wise and uh, down that South American way, but success for him in Mexico, and we'll keep a a track of uh, Travis as he goes along. But that's all we got for today on SEN Baseball, guys. Thanks very much for your input. Great show getting Liam Hendricks and having Travis Blackley also, a couple of major leaguers on the show. But uh, thanks very much for coming, JC. Great job. Thank you, mate. Great to be here. Pete Giles, thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you, Freda. Thank you, JC.
0: And next week, of course, will be Russell Spear and Brendan Wilson will be coming in the studio for the show next week. So uh, on behalf of the crew here, thanks very much. You've been listening to SEN Baseball.
1: Thanks for listening to the SEN MLB podcast. For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au.